Hi, welcome to Tube to Table, the podcast about helping tube-fed kids become happy and healthy eaters. Every week, we will dive into the basics of tube weaning to help unravel the conflicting information families get from doctors, therapists, friends, and family. I'm Jenny, a feeding therapist, mom, and food lover. And I'm Heidi. I'm also a feeding therapist, and I love sharing meals with friends and family and helping kids learn to eat. Come with us as we share practical tips and provide real-world expert advice so that parents can help their little ones start their journey from feeding tube to family table. Hi, and welcome to episode 10 of the Tube to Table podcast, The Tortoise and the Hare. In today's episode, Heidi and I are going to talk a little bit about how fast or how slow to go when you're weaning your child from their feeding tube. Heidi and I often get questions from parents that are in the middle of the process or families that are calling in looking for um, services or, or kind of stuck in the middle of their own wean, wondering about, you know, how fast to push or how slow to go. And there tends to be two kind of oversimplifications of speeds, the rapid weans, which we tend to fall into that category. It's not a label that we choose or that we necessarily like all the time, though we do understand why we're in that category. And the reason why people put us in that category is that we don't fall in the other category, which is this wait and see category, which a lot of you have given us feedback about that your medical teams have told you. Just wait it out. He'll eventually learn to eat. And so Heidi was going to get into some reasons why we don't just wait and see. Jenny, there's actually a couple of reasons, but probably the biggest is that the longer you wait to see is you're missing developmental windows. And people tend to forget the importance of that, but there are certain windows in which your brain is primed. It's an optimal time of development for certain skill levels. And around four to six months is about the time most kids are learning spoon food, uh, to take foods by spoon. And then after that, six to 12, 15, even 18 months is when kids are really primed to start learning table foods and cup drinking. I mean, if you think of typical development, most pediatricians expect kids to be off the bottle and on tape table foods and drinking from a cup by 12 months of age. So if that's that's the norm, that's when the brain is set to do it. We're missing those critical windows of development that make that process acquired in the way that it's supposed to be. Um, and I think the other big reason that we find that gets missed or forgotten about is the fact that the tube itself is not a neutral. The tube itself has some negative things that come with it. Um, just for simple reasons like vomiting and all those other things, the longer you're on the tube, the longer you're more likely to stay on the tube. Um, and Jenny, you talk a lot about self-regulation and you know yeah. that's another missing and fragile piece. Yeah, we know that self-regulation, the ability to kind of respond to our body's needs and get, get those needs met through our own actions in the case of hunger, responding to hunger and regulating your intake of energy through food. We know that when we learn how to do that well as young children, it sets us up for decreased risk or it's correlated with a dis- decreased risk of health problems later on. And so that's just another really good reason why, unless there's a real solid medical reason, and there can be for not weaning, if there's not a real true solid medical reason, it is, t- and the, the medical reason that made the tube necessary has been resolved or addressed or managed well, then it's time to start looking towards getting off the tube. So that's why we tend to get kind of thrown into this rapid approach. And while we understand by comparison, we are much faster than the majority of programs out there, we 
also resist the term only because it makes it sound like a one speed. It makes it sound like we do a thing for all kids. And at Thrive by Spectrum Pediatrics, what it actually looks like isn't like a fast lane or a slow lane. (laughs) It looks more like a dance. It's a little bit of an adjustment. And the reason for that, the reason for the variability is that development is variable. Childhood is variable and kids develop at different rates and kids learn skills at different rates. And that may or may not necessarily be in line with the way that they learn other skills. But our job as therapists that are working on self-regulation and a lifelong you know, relationship with food that's positive and conducive to health is to help the child learn to self-regulate, respond to hunger in an appropriate way through trust and acceptance and relationship. And that often looks like uh, for some kids, it is really fast and it's a steady decrease of tube delivered nutrition over time. And it's a, it is a straighter line more often than not though. It's a little bit of back and forth. And Heidi, I know um, since you've been doing a lot of weans lately, I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about like what are some of the situations that would make us want to kind of pump the brakes and slow things down for a kiddo? Yeah, I'm actually doing that with a couple of different kids right now. Um, For kids who have some, they, they learn motor movements more slowly, we go back and forth. They need a jump in the beginning to get jump started on those things and they seem to go very quickly, but then there seems to be a period of time when all they do is eat and their mouth can't catch up. And it doesn't seem fair to keep putting them in this position where they just can't eat fast enough. So some of it is speed and just general ability. Some kids take longer to learn new things. They do. And I think we talked about this in one other episode, but we, we don't want a child who's doing a great job learning to eat to feel constantly frustrated when they're doing the best they've ever done. So an example would be in that, like Heidi was just saying, you do a major cut in tube delivered nutrition, the child gets hungry, they start eating in a way, don't worry if it doesn't happen right away, it often doesn't happen for several days, but they start eating more or tasting more than they've ever done before. And then they don't get any reward, like they don't feel better. And that can be really confusing to a kid. So there is a point in our weaning process sometimes where we have to increase supplementation because the kid's just doing awesome. And we want them to feel awesome so that they correlate all that great effort that they're doing with with feeling good. And uh, that can't happen in the beginning often because we do need hunger to kind of be the environment in which kids learn about what to do and they kind of feel it and make the connection between hunger and eating but they're often for many, many kids, we do have to kind of play that, that little game of supplementing. And just even though we're experts and we do this all the time, we often, it's a dance. You supplement too much sometimes because every kid is different. We all react to food differently. So sometimes we'll say, this child just did the best they've ever done. They had five spoonfuls of sweet potato puree when they've never had anything by mouth at all or whatever, whatever the food is for them. I'm mentioning sweet potato puree because one of Heidi's kids did something really cool with it over the weekend. Um, but so she, they did the best they've ever done with sweet potato puree. So then we decided to supplement them a couple of ounces of their regular, whatever their tube delivered formula was by tube. And then they like are full and feeling so good that they don't want to do anything with sweet, 
sweet potato puree anymore or anything. So then we have to kind of really learn what that limit is for every kid. And not only does it change from kid to kid, but it changes for each kid from day to day or from meal to meal. So the reason I mention that is just it, it, there's a lot of patience involved and a lot of exploration. You don't like meal to meal doesn't tend to be a great indicator of when to adjust the speed because you want to make sure you're really looking at a trend. But from day to day or a couple of days at a time, if a child is really plateaued, not making progress, they may need more hunger or they may be too tired and need a little bit less hunger. And so what makes our program unique and also the philosophy unique and, and we believe successful is that we respond to the child and what they're showing us. And we encourage parents that are weaning in a safe way with collaboration from their medical team to do the same thing. And the opposite is also true, that sometimes faster is needed. And I, I know that that's happened with you too, Heidi, where you're like, okay, this kid isn't hungry enough. And we just, mm -hmm. we thought we were in a good spot, but we need to do that. Do, do you have any of those situations that come oh, to mind? Yeah, there's actually probably almost everybody, mm -hmm. you know, we go through a period of when it's slow and then we get stuck and we realize, oh, they're not hungry. We need to cut some more. Mm -hmm. And for a while, it really is a dance of, do they need more? Do they need less? Mm -hmm. And trying to figure out both of those things. Um, and, and to further complicate things, I think most of the time, Jenny, you and I both feel like you can't just chase the kid's intake either mm -hmm. and do more one time and less the next time. And no. um, that just gets confusing for the kids too. And so we tend to do a couple of days at a time and look at trends and try and pull back. So yeah. I think we've also seen both you and I recently, mm -hmm. a couple of kids where we didn't wait quite long enough. And just when they would have started picking up their intake, we started adding the supplementation back in. Yeah. And we were rescuing them right when they were about ready to rescue themselves. Yeah, <laughs> so that's, that's so true. That's complicating. As, so there's so many complications. Um, and that's why it, it's been helpful to see so many kids mm -hmm. over the longer period of time. Yeah. Which, which reminds me also, like, just since you mentioned it, a lot of people come to us and they'll, they'll, they'll say to us, our, my kid can't eat because, or isn't eating or responding to tube eating because this is what we're doing. We're letting him eat whatever he wants. And then we're tubing the rest, which in and of itself is a great idea. And if it's working for you, keep doing it. When it comes to learning about self-regulation, here's the problem. <laughs> if your child is put like one day they're eating and I know some of your kids aren't eating anything and the prognosis is the same. Like, you know, we, we, we have kids come into our program eating zero by mouth or eating a bunch by mouth. They get to the same place. I just like, like to like little PSA, they will get there. Um, if, if you have the right team in place and you guys can approach it from the right direction, get the help that you need. But the message that gets sent to a child who's doing that um, one day they're eating five bites or one ounce, and then they're su getting supplemented three ounces. Let's say their total feed is four ounces, according to whatever the plan is that they're on. The problem with the next day when they have three ounces, only getting one ounce is that the child feels the same no, much, no matter how much effort they put in. So we want a child that eats three ounces to feel better, like more full. And you can't feel the difference if no matter what happens, you're always at four ounces. So I'm not saying that you should just have a chaotic schedule and cut all the time. I'm just saying, keep that in mind as one of the reasons why it might be going really slowly. And that might be okay because stability is so important, but that doesn't mean your child can't learn to eat. 
you know, in a, in a bigger way. It just means that the motivation is not there yet. That's not actually allowing for hunger over the long term. And it, it helps to have a really nice plan in place. So just a quick thought about um, this kind of back and forth. What I tend to see is that you it's you always have to readjust. So what, what I see and talk to therapists and parents about all the time is you get you finally get to the right level that's motivating but not overwhelming. And then the child's doing really well. And then you keep it there usually. Once you find that sweet spot, which is not easy to find, once you find that sweet spot, generally you hang out there for a while. And parents always say to me, well, how are they going to keep making progress if we're not increasing with the motivation? Well, we want the motivation to not just be hunger, but also be enjoyment and socialization. Plus, when kids that haven't eaten begin eating, they need to build endurance, attention, lots of things. And so what you'll see slowly often when kids do start to eat is that you get to that sweet spot. They gradually increase their intake once they kind of get the hang of it and it's feeling safe and consistent. And then you see a plateau in progress. And then it's time to do what Heidi just said, which is kind of, you know, stop rescuing them so that they can rescue themselves, which I love the way you said that, Heidi. Um, So that tends to be what that dance looks like. And I know that the variability of this might feel overwhelming and confusing to parents, but there's help out there. We're available, but there, there certainly your team can help with it. But I also like to remind people that anybody that's been around a newborn that's learning to eat or anyone that's brought home a newborn that didn't have a tube or feeding complications that's learned to eat, that's what it looks like. It's like they, they got it. They're finally latching. They're finally, you know, drinking out of the bottle and then they throw up because they took too much or they took it too fast or whatever the case may be. And there's this constant adjustment and the adjustment for little, little babies takes a while. It takes a couple of months. And so don't, don't be alarmed if there's not a clear pattern after a couple of days. There's almost always not a pattern. It takes a minute. Learning to eat is hard and complicated. It involves our muscles and our nerves and our sensations and the social piece. And there's just so much going on besides hunger that it can take a while. Now, we do believe that making a child hungry, motivating them in the context of trust and understanding can speed things up. We see that all the time. It can happen much more quickly. And for us, what we do is a 10-day intensive treatment where we're doing this dance, but we're made, over time doing a pretty major cut in tube-delivered nutrition. And then we give the kids in follow-up about a month to really regulate themselves to really kind of settle in and stabilize where they are in terms of their intake. Is that, is that what you're seeing still, Heidi? Yeah. I I would say that we're still probably seeing about 60% of the kids are able to be done with the tube in 10 days. Mm -hmm. Um, And that is a great, the younger they are, the more likely it is that they're going to fall in that group of being done with the tube in 10 days, but that doesn't mean they're done. And that doesn't mean they're stable. I still think it tends to be actually, it's funny because we have a we start looking again at one month and it tends to be a week after that for a lot of kids. So like five weeks instead of four is a time when we really start feeling like we're not, you know, dancing all over the place and worrying about um, how, how many times do they need to eat in a day and are they hungry or are they fussy? And it just really feels much more stable about four or five weeks out still. Which is consistent kind of with that newborn learning because if you look at, you know, our wean is preceded by a period of preparation, usually of a couple weeks where we're doing some intense teaching of the parents, not much with the kid, then a hunger induction where we're Mm -hmm. gradually reducing nutrition, then the real major 
kind of treatment where we're intensively working with kids over 10 days with bigger cuts and this dance that we're talking about in today's episode. And then you add those five weeks to that. You're looking at eight weeks about, and that, at least in my house, that's when my little guy uh, really got the hang of of eating. I think it takes a, a little bit of time. That doesn't mean that you shouldn't see progress way sooner than that, just before it becomes comfortable. And it feels mm-hmm. like, oh, he like he's really got this and there's a rhythm. He seems secure. We Our nerves are calming down a bit. Everybody feels like they're in a good place. That's a, such a great point because I do think that if you're doing this for four or five weeks and you're not seeing any progress at all, that's too long. Yeah. Like this is, this means inconsistency and it feels, it feels uncertain. Like you're not sure from one day to the next exactly what it's going to look like, but everybody sees some progress that's happening. It just doesn't feel like you said, it's stable. It doesn't feel as like in such a good rhythm. Um, and so if you're still if you're still struggling with this and working at four to five weeks and not seeing any changes at all, that's a really long time. And you probably need to pull back and take another look at, um, at what's going on around mealtimes. I think a lot of it tends to be safety, um, that we've seen or, um, yeah, just a pressure. I think yeah. it's a big common thing, but it shouldn't be prolonged of nothing. Right, right, right. You should be seeing some progress. So I think, Um, that's a whole lot of information about how variable it is, but just remembering that variable is normal. You have to meet your child where they are. And instead of just looking at numbers, like we we try to shift people's focus away from numbers, both in terms of speed, volume, weight. You've got to pay attention to all of those things, but we like to just try to have the first thing you look at be your child and let your child like how they're presenting. Do they seem burned out? Do they seem not hungry enough? Start looking at more kind of qualitative things, how they're responding, how they seem when they're challenged in other areas of life and use that as your guide first. And then if you still need more kind of puzzle pieces to figure out the mystery, start looking at some of those other numbers. So there's a real shift in weaning away from that kind of uh, numbers, paper and pencil based stuff, charts and graphs and back towards the child, which is what really makes a difference. It's an interesting point because when I talk to families and they all want to know about outcomes because good families who call in and want to find out about different sorts of programs and are doing their research, which makes good sense when you're about to embark on a a big program that's such a a meaningful part of your child and your future, numbers are the easiest thing to ask. Totally. So one of the top questions is how, how fast and comparing how fast we are with how fast other programs are and the, the difficulty is also shift away from, it's not the same thing as standing in line. You know, is it a 15 minute line or a 20 minute line? Mm-hmm. It's, um, it's how well does a child succeed in that environment? And I think one of the things that we have such a focus on is we would rather see someone take a month to wean off the feeding tube and do it well and do it in a stable way that everybody feels good about than do it in 10 days with, you know, two wheels off the ground and every everything feels uncertain and um, that the wellness of the whole situation is a really important outcome. Yeah. And we like to use the phrase that quality come, or if you focus on quality of feeding and you can focus on your child and the quality of their interactions with food and mealtimes, the quantity will come. It's not that we don't care about the quantity. It's that you need the quality to get there Mm -hmm. in order for your child to eat more, in order to for your child to gain weight on food, on eating orally, 
they need to first have high quality interactions. And so this is a major shift. And so it's kind of like a little preview of a future episode that we're planning right now is that when you take from a parent who loves their child, who's seen the two keep them safe and well, when you take away those numbers, uh, it's scary. Mm-hmm. Even though you even though you may want it, it can be a really scary thing. We kind of take away the security blanket a little bit. And so even though it may be what you want, most parents are surprised by how stressful it is when you start moving away from the quantity focused kind of feeding approach into the quality, which is what you would have if you didn't have the tube. You don't focus on ounces for most kids for very long. You usually focus on mm-hmm. what, how they're responding to what's going in, how they're interacting with it. That's what gives you an answer about how well it's going. So we will help you guys <laughs> with some stress and coping for uh, for parents during tube weaning and some of these challenging feeding situations, it's coming. We're working on it. Um, I think that I think that is pretty much what we wanted to cover, right, Heidi, regarding speed so. today. Yeah. yeah. Well, I hope that everybody's summer is off to a really good start, and uh, we'll be back next week. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Tube to Table podcast. Every week, we're going to share our show notes at thrivewithspectrum.com. In the show notes, you can find a summary of what we discussed and links to all the resources that we mentioned. Also, you can visit us on social media and Instagram and Facebook. We can be found at Thrive with Spectrum. And on Twitter, you can find us at Thrive with SP. Please don't hesitate to reach out to us on social media and let us know if you have any input or any topics that you'd really like to see us address. We'll be back next week.